This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Men Cave in the Melbourne Law Studio. And uh, we are uh, broadcasting on a foggy morning here in God's country in uh, north central Florida, the Piney Woods. Just beginning to lift the fog as we see now um, uh, a little bit more sunshine coming up and perhaps a brighter day than we've had the last couple of days. Um, I read the other day where there is record cold in Alaska, my golly. Uh, down close to 100 below. Is that possible? And, uh, you know, people still like to live in, live there. I don't, I don't know how they do it or why we want to do it, I guess, to maybe get away from somebody or hide from something. But who knows? I mean, but it is. Um, uh, oh, oh, yes, yes. Ray Stern wants to know why. Uh, I didn't do it, Ray. I did not bleep the F-bomb uh, uh, when he, ch when the man hides from, climbs up the pole from the, uh, ha! You've been caught, production. Uh, <laughs> uh, climbed up the pole to get away from the warthog. So, uh, I, you know, we're just trying to be a family show. Okay, but yes, uh, we did bleep. I did. The production bleeped out the F-bomb <laughs> when, when uh, the man is trying to get away from the, from the warthog. Can we pet him? Uh, no, don't touch him. Don't touch him. Anyway, that is funny. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I went back and uh, listened to it, Ray, to make sure in its original form that that was indeed what he said. And um, I've always thought the F-bomb is kind of passe now. Uh, we've got it bleeped out on, on one of our smut. Uh, maybe we'll play it at halftime. Um, take that into consideration, would you please, uh, 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 production? We've got it bleeped out. Uh, I, I'm going to try to think <laughs> which one it is. Um, um, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's one of them. Uh, uh, it's, maybe we can figure it out. Anyway, we had, we had it's, it's one of the uh, liberal left ladies going crazy and using the F-bomb, and we had to bleep it out so many times. It was incredible. But, um, you know, I guess it's okay if they use the language. Uh, we can't use the language and all that, all the above. Uh, well, I got some of the things to follow up on here with you. Um, we titled the show today, School Board Fireworks. If you really want to see the school board fireworks, uh, go out to YouTube and go to uh, two hours and 54 minutes, and you'll see about 15 minutes of uh, discombobulated behavior. Uh, you know, I've been chair of a lot of things, and I'm, I'm going to take my hat off a little bit to Rob Hyatt here, who has um, really stepped up and tried to control. He's a mild-mannered guy, and he's tried to control the angry certain and uh um oh the other one in there um who is uh, um former the former principal escaping my 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 um uh, can't remember her name right now but anyway they're angry and i'll get into that in analysis in just a minute um that they can't get their way 
and McNeely. And McNeely, uh, uh, she came over from a school that had doctored, apparently, allegedly, had doctored the scores uh, when she was the principal. So she's, she is a piece of work. So she's on the board. And of course, certain is an angry individual and has called me out and Tim Martin. Uh, well, I, and, and I went and watched it. I was tipped off by one of our great research team members today to go take a look. And it's on YouTube. Go to two, two hours, 54 minutes and watch the last 15 minutes of the school board. And what the school board is trying to do is uh, of course, um, the, now that it's down to two, whereas they were counting on Dion McGraw to be the third, and then they were going to put in Carly Simon, who would then put in the critical race theory and do all the race card manipulation of the, of the curriculum in the K through 12, and uh, really turn it over to their puppet, who would have been Simon. Uh, now, uh, um, this is, um, uh, then ferreted out and people see what's going on. But the really the joker in the deck, is, as I often say, was the fact that uh, McGraw, her own self, uh, ushered in her own demise. I mean, she really didn't live in the proper district and it was found out. And of course, uh, that had its own justice to it, thank goodness. And she spent a fortune uh, trying to be on the school board uh, in terms of school board uh, money that it takes to campaign that. She was way off the charts. I had her scheduled to be on uh, the Ward Scott Files, had contacted her. I've known her for a long time. And um, uh, she began to tell me in rehearsal what she was going to talk about. And I really had to set the phone down and go get a cup of coffee. I mean, it was so extensive and redundant. And I finally interrupted and said, you know, Dion, don't you want to save this for the show? I said, uh, I don't want to hear it right now. It's just not, nobody else is hearing it but me. Oh, she kind of woke up from a, a dream, I guess, and said, okay, so we scheduled her. And then, of course, she, um, uh, we got it. I threw a third party. Uh, I got it that um, she had come down with COVID and couldn't make the show. Well, I checked into that, and it so seems from pretty reliable testimony that if she had COVID, she'd sure been into at a, uh, at a forum during the time when she supposedly had it. So you take that to the bank and you figure out what all that means. But anyway, all that kind of uh, uh, questionable uh, identity profile of her ended up her being removed from the school board uh, by the governor. Of course, that went through a futile series of it's still dragging along um, lawsuits and all this to try to browbeat everybody into sympathizing and, and bending the rules, which so often is done. I have to be candid with you. So often is done by the judges or the liars, or uh, we see it all the time in the rap sheets of the of the individuals who are uh, dragged into the courts and all and then get out with a slap on the wrist. You know the story. So now we have the governor appoint Mildred Russell and things have changed. And uh, last night, um, the school board members submitted their evaluation of Carly Simon. Now, I have it on very good source that that's, those, those, uh, those uh, uh, evaluations were less than stellar. Let's put it that way, that uh, there were a lot of things in there that uh, really needed to be discussed in a, a full detail and perhaps uh, therefore ending up in a change of, uh, of superintendents. Well, the moment you hint that might be the case, the two minority members now, McNeely, the two remaining minority members, McNeely and Certain, 
uh, start to go off the rails. And uh, fortunately for Hyatt, he was uh, exercised his role as a chair. He didn't let them uh, talk over him. He didn't let them, because that's easy. That's all, that's standard protocol of discussion. You don't talk to each commissioner. You talk through the chair. If you as a member of the public want to come and talk to a commissioner, you talk to the chair because uh, otherwise it all breaks down into a shouting match and people talking over each other. So certain and McNeely are trying to talk over each other. They're trying, they, they don't know the rules. They don't understand. And of all things, certain drags in um, the, the real estate purchase and says, well, I didn't, you know, what's because what's happening in those last 15 minutes, as you'll see, is um, they're going to, they're, they're going to, Put on the agenda, well, it hasn't happened yet, so I can't say it's going to actually happen, but, you know, it's supposed to happen, uh, a discussion of the evaluation and uh, among the five of them, and then they will decide whether or not they were going to retain or uh, uh, ter terminate Simon. Uh, well, the two minorities are scared to death now that that will lead to a termination of Simon, and so they're trying to stonewall that, put that off, in order to distract people, certain says, well, you know, you wouldn't let me uh, bring up, have a special meeting. She didn't even understand the difference between a meeting and a special meeting. Uh, you wouldn't let me bring up a, 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 the subject of the real estate. And that's going to cost us so much money. She still doesn't understand that. And she still is interfering in something which is now really in the courts. And for her to be running her yak up there as a public official in a situation that is now uh, going through the court system it, it is really unprofessional, in my humble opinion. Very, very, but these people don't care. They are bullies. They want to bully their way into what they want. They will bend the rules. Uh, um, they will uh, intimidate. The, you know, what they do is they feel around for the weakest place to intimidate. And once they sense weakness, they never let up and they keep intimidating until they get their way. Well, I have to say that it appears as if Hyatt, an old saxophone player and music teacher, has a finally uh, beginning to stand tall in the saddle. And it appears as if Gunnar Paulson is waking up from a fog and is really beginning to clear his mind and focus on what he's doing. Um, the, the Mildred Russell is a steady Mildred Russell, just as steady as can be, knows who she is, what she's about, and what the issues are. So if you go to that part of the uh, school board meeting, and I want to thank the research team member of the community at large who's, who uh, sent this to me early this morning and uh, called it Go Watch the Fireworks. So I have entitled today's show The School Board Fireworks because there are fireworks all over this community right now and it's about people trying to bully other people and get their way. I thought the summation that uh, our investigator gave yesterday at the end of the show about what the Colliers International uh, issue is about is very is right on. It's simply about commissions, and it's simply about retaliation uh, by the, if I remember the investigator's and he's dead on about these matters. I will say. Uh, generally, you can take him to the bank. Uh, we, we know we can on what he reported on, but now he's speculating on what his legal issues are as an expert, being a real estate uh, agent, uh, on what this thing is really about. And he knows all the people involved. I know all the people involved. And I can tell you each one of them has a 
profile that uh, we all understand and know who know them. Uh, so that this will be in the end uh, much to do about nothing. And uh, uh, this and and uh, Drotos and Riles will win their civil suit and win their defamation suit. So there is a lot at balance here, and certain is trying to interfere in this in a public meeting from a public dais and and talk about something that's not even on the agenda, not even on the agenda. So uh, uh, it's uh, it it is really uh, worth watching. I didn't want to put it on the show today. Uh, you know, it's fifteen minutes of of. of a boredom. I mean, I, I guess we could abbreviate and maybe show it, but um, I, trust me when I say you'll see a dysfunctional uh, couple of women on there uh, trying to bully the board and bully the chair, and the chair really is standing pretty tall in the saddle. So um, I wanted to start off by talking about the, soup, uh, the, the um, school board and and and. Um, call the show today school board fireworks because the hidden agenda in this is the race car. It's not about improving education. It's not about, uh, um, you know, mass to mask or not to mask or any of that business. It, it's strictly about cramming the critical race theory, the 1619 project, stuff like that into the heads of the little chillin instead of the reading and the writing and the three R's as we used to call them. Uh, complicating all this is the fact that the early learners uh, in their years have been out of school because of COVID. And, and so now you've got a really uh, ticking time bomb here. If that school board really had a, a moral backbone, they would be concerned about getting the students back in the room, teaching them how to socialize without having some ideology or some uh, racial networks hanging over their head. Um, but that's what Simon is doing there. She is there to do their bidding. And uh, everybody knows it. And we'll see. I think this is going to be on the agenda of the school board March 1st. Now, if that is, then you're going. Now, here's the thing that McNeely says, which is so cool. Even the school board attorney, I guess it's the attorney's voice I'm listening to, uh, one of them, um, she says, well, if you're going to put that on the agenda, the firing of Carly Simon, you're going to have to hold this in the uh, basketball coliseum, the exact tech center. You know, what is wrong with this woman? And, and oh, you're going to have to rent a coliseum because there are going to be so many people here. What she what she's doing is that's a threat. Uh, she's going to bring Evelyn Fox, who was there on behalf of the quote NAACP advocating for Simon. Does that tell you anything? Does that tell you anything? So now they're not, they're feeling this whole thing is slipping away. And there's a possibility that this person who is supposed to be doing their bidding, whom they work like crazy to get three on there to make or do the bidding of the race card is not going to be able to pull it off. And so now there are threats. Oh, you're going to have to have a bigger building. Well, the, the lady's voice on the on the uh, uh, on the video says well, we have to remember now we have Zoom and we have call in, so we won't need a bigger, bigger building. Is basically what she's saying. My golly, thank goodness for the voice of reason and common sense because it certainly doesn't exist in the heads of McNeely and certain. 
So um, I, I, I think it's pretty, it's better than the circus. Um, you know, I have to admit to you, I was one of these guys who just loved the circus and the fair. The fair would come to these small rural towns and I was, I was always a sucker for the uh, circus barker or the fair barker who would say, step right up and see the lady with the beard. Or, you know, my God, I'd fall for that. Or step right up and see the two-headed baby. You know, oh my golly, I'd fall for that. And I'd pay the money and go in the tent and there we see the lady with the beard and all kinds of stuff. This is what the school board reminds me of. If you like going to the fair or the circus and stepping right up and seeing the lady with the beard, Tune into this school board. Now, you'll have to have some time off from it now and then because it drags on and drags on and drags on and drags on. And Hyatt talks at the pace of a snail. So uh, there you go. And you've got the uh, untimely, deliberate interruptions by Certain and McNeely. And you've got the common sense voice of Russell. Uh, and so it's all there. Step right up. And and see the place blow up. I mean, it is just about to um, go out through the window if they don't get this race card played and crammed. Now, they've already got hired at six figures uh, uh, some sort of um, director of inclusion and, and equity and all the above and diversity. I think they've done hired that person. Uh, that person is not going to go out and help teach the three R's. Uh, you can bet your bottom nickel on that. Uh, so there we are. We are stuck on go and we ain't gone. And we're just spinning our tires in a time when we really got to start making up for some time lost for the early learners who weren't in school. Now, uh, you can you can you can refute me or whatever you like to do. But um, uh, that that's uh, and then somebody said, don't insult the clowns. That is funny. Uh, I think that was Jackie. My my good buddy from uh, Ponte Vedra, and don't insult the clowns by compare. Don't compare the circus barker who's uh, featuring the lady with a beard. Uh, don't insult him because he's several cuts. I like that logic. He's several cuts above the school board. Oh my golly! You know, <laughs> thank you very much for putting that comment in. Um, <laughs> it is really uh, it is what it is, and you may draw your own conclusions. I've been around the block a long time. The other a group of, uh, I geez, I can't insult the clowns. The other, the other um, dysfunctional group you can watch, of course, and, and I don't watch them much because I don't live in the city, thank you, and I'm not paying through the nose for GRU rates, is, of course, the city commission. And the latest fiasco, and they never have any documents to back up their decisions. They just have these knee-jerk reactions. And out of a knee-jerk reaction, they decided to gouge everybody downtown for parking. And I have been watching comments now for quite a while, and there's not a single person on that city commission of intellectual elites, by the way, who, uh, uh, you know, you got your liar representative there, the, uh, the communist Cuban, and, you know, all the, and the poodle and all the rest of them, and the banana pudding and, and uh, the boy named Lauren. But, but, you know, you and then the kid who can't remember where he slept last night. So, so here, <laughs> they just out of the blue, I guess, and they often these people do these kind of things, just out of the blue decided to charge for parking because, I mean, none of them has a business downtown, by the way. You have to understand that. And, you know, none of them 
who's making the decisions about the businesses has a business. See, he's just got a theory, you know, or he's got a degree. And the communist uh, Cuban dang sure doesn't have a business downtown and has graduated from the University of Florida Law School, which has only one Republican law professor on the entire staff. And <laughs> there you go. So we're making cookie cutter children. But <laughs> they're down. And there's not one person who is speaking up for the country folk. Uh, who comes down the lines, <laughs> down the, the dusty country roads with their trucks and cars covered with dust to come to the county courthouse to take care of a probate issue or a marriage license or whatever it is they come in. And they all, the, the, the intellectual elite of the dysfunctional city commission just assumes that they have a smartphone and that they know what's coming. And when I tell you, I was caught up in this. I went down, I had to do some, uh, business business downtown and in that courthouse <laughs> and I <laughs> I couldn't find a place to park and I said hey I ain't got this app on my phone what what the heck app they talking about there was no announcement uh, I was going to get immediately spanked if I parked and there was going to be a meter maid come along I guess and slap a ticket on my windshield and God knows when you go to pay those things, that's another need to park downtown. Oh, my God. So they get you coming and going. But this bunch of jokers, I don't know which is worse. Um, I've got to rank the county commission now third in dysfunctionality. And that's a that's a tall leap. I, I have to say that the first in dysfunctionality is the city of Gainesville commissioners. They are embarrassed. They are an embarrassment. OK, the second is the school board. They are an enormous embarrassment. And of course, <laughs> uh, the third, <laughs> by default, I guess, is the Alachua County Commission, uh, which seems to be composed of some of the most bewildered people ever assembled on one dais. I, I, you know, you've got the Undertaker, and I don't even know if I can come up with nicknames for the others. Um, of course, you've got Minnie Mike or uh, uh, there, uh, the thin-skinned water boy, Cornell, whom you've got to watch. Because when I get into this conversation about Colliers International, uh, you, there's, a, there's an article here that I want, that the Sun did print that I want to go through with you that's pretty darn good. And it says, must Boss Hart employees testify? And this is something that Cornell is petrified to do. I know this in my bones that he doesn't want to be deposed under oath. In my bones. Now, he's got the liars out there running cover for him. Um, and uh, this article by John Henderson, who is on the USA Today Network, pretty much uh, has got it right. They've been writing pretty accurately about this Collier's International thing, which is in the end going to be uh, uh, predicted by our investigator who really knows this case very, very well. A victory for Riles and Rotos, both civilly and in terms of defamation. Um, but right now, somebody who is hiding from uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 uh, 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 deposition and the under oath is Cornell, and so uh, uh, the question has come up: um, How did you get the Gainesville Police Department to file charges in order to use it to gain an unfair advantage in the arbitration proceeding? That is the uh, uh, that is really the issue. We've always been curious about that. Who was the power or the influence in the community? And one of the tips we got uh, is that, you know, 
and this is alleged, okay? It's alleged because there's no deposition under oath that it was somebody like, if not Cornell. And um, this is uh, been th this has been coming up. Cornell blames it on Veterans Day. In the John uh, Henderson article, he says that he was previously scheduled be, to be deposed on November 11th, which was Veterans Day, but he was scheduled to give a speech at a county Veterans Day ceremony. You know, uh, you got to be careful thumbing your nose at the court proceedings. Anybody else probably could be maybe uh, held in contempt of court or, you know, but this not this character. He's, he's using Veterans Day and he blames the the uh, uh, whoever would whoever would dare schedule a deposition for me on Veterans Day. Um, uh, he he uh, he is. Um, um, so he's he's really trying to hide out from that. And I'm going to keep my eyes on because I think uh, and we've been tipped off a long time ago that to take a look and keep an eye on him. He works for. Boss Hart, he was his business was bought, as I understand it, was bought by Boss Hart. Uh, he's a commissioner. Uh, he is the, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you got to watch him. So uh, this is this is something that is uh, trying to creak its way through. Then we have the joker that we in the deck that we said yesterday, given the track record of the assistant state attorney to whom Kramer assigned this. Um, that assistant state attorney has got a record of dropping cases because there's not enough there to warrant going forward. That assistant state attorney, uh, whose name escapes me right now, is in my notes. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Mark would know it right off the top of his head. Is is uh, it has got the case, and it may just go away at that point. It may come back. Um, we don't have enough here. And after all those proceedings now, we're over there at the same time to give you an update on the supervisor election situation. We're over there at the same time watching that. Now, if you have been sleeping since the last time I talked to you or not, we have now two television stations that have run the story. Channel 20 has run the story uh, and Channel 4 out of Jacksonville. I believe it's Jacksonville has run the story that the Florida Department of Law Enforcement has turned its findings over to Kramer. Now, what Kramer has done is he's assigned it to different assistant attorneys. And uh, then we, we are trying to get as whatever we can get as public records. And there's been a, bit, a kind of a stonewall on that. They, all, they always hide behind the term investigations ongoing. Uh, so that's okay. We'll, 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 uh, we'll keep testing them and trying them uh, until there's a chink in the armor. So, uh, uh, that one is out there. Uh, there is a third one, which we haven't really gotten into much at all right now. Uh, but I keep getting uh, information from people who are calling me and saying the sheriff's office, the sheriff's office, this, the sheriff's office, that. And I just haven't got the right documentations or the right balance of testimony to figure out what the story is. Um, the story of Colliers and the story of supervisor elections, though, is well out in the public venue. Um, Lots of times people don't care what's going on in the police world. I'll just be candid with you. A lot of people just feel like the cops are kind of oddballs, uh, aggressive, mean, uh, and they fight among themselves. And, uh, you know, they, a lot of people don't really care 
uh, about any kind of administrative hassles that go on inside um, a, a police organization. I'll just be frank with you. Uh, a lot of people don't like the cops. Um, and of course, the cops have a tough job. So, you know, I've written about it in a ride along and um, had a lot of people have taken note of what I said because I wrote along on just a typical average night. Nothing stellar, nothing, no riot, nothing. Just what is an everyday, uh, every day and night like in the life of the cop? And if you want to read it, the ride along is posted on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. Um, it was uh, eventful, and yet it wasn't eventful. And, you know, there wasn't a big shootout. There wasn't. It's just the diplomacy that uh, on an average day, uh, a cop has to do. He has to be a psychologist. He has to be a social worker. He has to be a fearless warrior. Uh, he has to eat a lot of crap from people giving it to him. But at the same time, it's a closed fraternity, a closed society. And people don't really um, get involved. You know, they're sworn um, and, and they're also sworn to secrecy. And so uh, a lot of people just write off whatever it is they're doing, with the exception that when they shoot a minority, uh, then there is indeed uh, a hue and cry to defund the cops, which is, once again, anti-police. And we have this situation here. We actually had uh, a sheriff at that time, Sadie Darnell, walk uh, in a Black Lives Matters protest. And Black Lives Matters was trying to do away with the cops. And so we had a cop sympathizing with an organization that was trying to do away with her, so to speak, and her people. Uh, that didn't sit too well. That that didn't go over real well. But um, uh, so th that that's where it is. I don't know if it, if if the situation, like whatever is going on in the police world, will ever be of interest to what's going on in the college international world and the school board. Although there is a reason why that SWAT team was sent. I'm not going to talk about it publicly. At least not right now. I know the reason that SWAT team was sent to Colliers International, and it's um, I, I, I'm just I just know it. Okay, I go way back in this community to 1961. I know why that SWAT team, and I know why the Matrix we can't get, and I I, I know why the Matrix is what it is, and everything is supposedly done on a Matrix. So I know why it was sent, and if and it's not well. It's, it's strange. Let's put it that way. So let me see if I covered all the stuff we were locally. I was going to talk about with you. City commission parking. Single member districts is coming our way. It is advancing its way through the, uh, uh, the uh, Tallahassee world. It will no doubt be on the ballot. And you will go in, you're going to see. You ain't seen nothing yet. You're going, when that hits the ballot, you're going to see the dangest, propaganda deluge by a county government and the Democrat Party and the minorities that you've ever seen in this community. They are going to pull out all stops. And it, it is a lot of things that are threatening the county commission right now that they can't do anything about. And one is the movement West. <clears throat> there is a whole nother world west of I-75 that is just going to get bigger and bigger and denser and denser. And that's where the power is going to lie. I predict it. It has to be. That's where the power is going to lie. If you look at the clear land and you look at Jonesville 
You talk to the manager of the publics there, they never even dreamed of how big they would have to build it. It's not built big enough. There's going to be so much growth and it's going to be a whole nother world. And that world is either going to be instrumentally uh, 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 important in the single member district vote. And it's mostly Republican. OK. And if it if it somehow, some way, the avalanche of propaganda from the county commission uh, dilutes it, then hello, Springs County is going to rise in emphasis. That's my prediction, because you take a look at the demographics of everything west of I-75, and you tell me what you see. Uh, as I've said before, there was only one hope for East, quote unquote, Gainesville, and that was Plum Creek and Hawthorne. And guess who killed it? Guess who killed it? The liberals killed it. Byerly, Hutchison, and Cornell killed it. Okay? And I told Plum Creek officials, do not trust those people. Oh, they kept saying to me, oh, we're working with them. They're, we're working with Hutchison. We're working with Cornell. We're working with Barley. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're being played by them. You're being played by them. They're never going to do that in Hawthorne. Well, they'd love to stop it in west of I-75, but they ain't got the power to do it. They just don't have the power to do it. They are trying to do it, I would say, as a surrogate through the school board of, uh, of conversations, but that ain't going to cut it either. Uh, that land is, hey, the school board could sell that land right now and make a profit and put it into some educational program and move around uh, and find another piece of property. But if they don't hurry, if they want a school on the west side, it's going to cost them more and more and more. Hey, I think I've covered most of this local stuff. I've got a ticket giveaway here to, let me just do this before we take our break. I'm giving away uh, a couple of tickets to um, uh, Saturday night at 7.30 to uh, the Don Juan in Loveland Ballet at the Phillips Center. If you want them, message me at 352-325-3938. That's 352-325-3938, and we'll make arrangements for you to get them. Great production. Really, don't miss it. I'm going to give you some tickets here. Ward Scott and the Ward Scott Files. We'll be right back after we play some ditties and uh, you hear from our sponsors and donators. Thank you. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. 
if your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octon, octon. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much now. That warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here uh, in the Man Cave in the Melton Law Studio. If you want a couple of free tickets to Saturday night at 7.30, the Phillips Center for Don Juan and Loveland. Text me at 352-325-3938. I just finished doing the local kind of conversation. Um, and it's, um, um, probably, I guess I've got that complete. I'm looking around at all the notes I have here about where we are in the world and what we're doing. And, you know, I've always had the COVID report I guess I'm never going to be really. Here's the most interesting thing. I, you know, I keep thinking I'll have read everything there is about COVID that you can read. And the bottom line is, that I've concluded, is nobody understands anything about COVID. COVID is running us around. We're not running it around. It, it um, changes and then we respond and then it changes and we respond. And, you know, you'd think the virus has got more sense in brains than the people do. Um, but I'm always, this is kind of funny. Uh, this was an opinion by uh, a professor of medicine at Stanford by the name of Dr. Benavid. Dr. Benavid must have been raised in the country like I was. And I'll tell you the difference in my family. My mother was raised primarily in the city because when the war broke out, she had to go to the city and work and she left me with her parents and in-laws in the country. And there were two different worlds. In the city, I, you know, my mother was fastidious about keeping everything clean and, uh, you know, washing this and washing that and scrubbing this and scrubbing that. And you couldn't go barefoot. And you get worms and all the little kids in the South had worms and all this kind of stuff. In the country, I, you ate dirt. I mean, you just I had I had a I had a sand pile. It wasn't a sand pile. It was a dirt pile. And me and my buddy. Uh, we used to, we had a heck of a little town built out there. We had little plastic toys that we used. We made roads and we were in the dirt. I mean, and, you know, then around the farm, I mean, we were always dirty. I mean, um, you, I mean, constantly. I mean, every, you had dirt under your fingernail, you had dirt in your hair, you had dirt in your ears. I remember I have to come in and wash, wash your ears. My golly, there'd be so much dirt in my ears, you know? Um, and so, What's this got to do with COVID? Well, this is funny. This is funny. Uh, this guy says that maintaining good health is often a balance. And he, he points out that too much food and we develop obesity and too little food and we waste away. And so uh, what he thinks is, and this is really kind of funny about COVID. If you take a look 
uh, and you don't have to look hard. Go to the gym, for example. I mean, I watched this guy yesterday in the gym. You know, they've got these little sanitation cans with little sanitation cloths in it and little sanitation. You go over to the piece of equipment after somebody sat his buttocks on there or held it. And, and you take that little sanitation rag out of the little sanitation can and you go over and wipe that thing down until it's uh, glistening with it. I saw one man come in there and <laughs> yesterday. He took the little or day before whenever I was in there last. He took the little rag out of the sanitation can and then he went and got the sanitation jar. You know, it's got a little squirt nozzle you push down and he filled up the little sanitation rag with the sanitation juice from the sanitation squirt nozzle. And he looked at me and he said, as if he were watching me watch him. And he said, you know, I got to do this because these sanitation, these rags, they dry out. So I thought, oh, my God, maybe, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe. Little sanitation rags aren't any good because by the time you use them, they're all the the juice in there is supposed to keep you healthy and free of the nasty COVID is dried out. So maybe that and that, but 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 but, but so I'm God by golly. So uh, this guy says, <laughs> and I think he might have something. The intensification of hygienic policies with the advent of COVID nineteen, he says, is just understandable. You know masking, deep cleaning, uh, isolation. Um, <laughs> but he said, and I, I agree with him, having been a kid that was raised on a farm in the dirt, dirt in my ears, dirt behind my ears, dirt in my hair. Uh, <laughs> he said, <laughs> hygiene practices, however, have health risks as well as benefits. In other words, if you're too clean, then you're vulnerable to stuff. Your, your system doesn't have an opportunity to build up a resistance. And, you know, so in other words, it ain't bad to go barefoot, right? I mean, you go barefoot and you, I got your foot on the earth and by golly, you get tough like bull. And next thing you know, that dead gum hookworm can't get through that bottom of your foot. <laughs> Tapeworm or whatever the heck it is. So um, he says one of the greatest accomplishments of modern civilization was to, you know, the threat of infectious disease. Um, we've got clean drinking water. We've got vaccinations. We've got antibiotics. Uh, we've got sanitation. And therefore, we've knocked back tuberculosis and typhoid fever and polio and smallpox. But he says also, now this is something to think about you all out there. And remember, COVID is all about belief. It's what you want to believe. Because you can find the science to support anything. You can find the antidotes to support anything. And you can find examples to support your thesis. So it's however you want to approach it and however you want to deal with it. But we've got these converts out there who politicized it and um, proselytize about it and all this stuff. But he says increasingly, the antiseptic populations that we've got have increased, not decreased, such things as asthma and allergies. Uh, and uh, infectious agents that uh, we would develop immunities to if we didn't scrub ourselves so heavily that we don't have a chance to. Um, the, the, that, 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 I think, is really striking because um, it has, he says, a risk of untoward consequence. Um, and he says the excessive hygiene can already be noted among the children. The immune system of human beings, uh, this guy writes, Dr. Benavid, 
Um, and you can check him out. I don't know if he's a loose wire or if he's a, in the middle of the road or where he is. <clears throat> I don't know what his politics are. <clears throat> he is a professor at Stanford. Uh, my golly, it sounds like they might run him off, right, and this kind of stuff. The risk of untoward consequences from excessive hygiene in a, is particularly striking in children because that's when the immune system uh, it gets fine-tuned as during childhood. So, you know, I guess I'm strong like bull because I played in the dirt as a little kid. And, you know, I even held my little brother down in the dirt whenever he irritated me. So he can thank me for that. He's got a strong immune system because I held him down in the dirt, right? Somebody said, why does your brother always want to fight you so much? And, and, uh, and, and somebody else said, well, that's because Ward held him down in the dirt when he was a little kid. Well, I did him a favor, it turns out, according to this Dr. Benavid from Stanford. Um, if, you, if you get out there in the elements, it reduces uh, 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 your inability to distinguish, as he says, uh, disease-causing invaders. Uh, if you're out there among the disease-causing invaders, uh, you're getting stronger. I, have you ever heard of such? Now, come on now. I've been reading and looking and thinking about COVID as much as you have. And I, I know there's a whole continuum of belief from nonsensical to very sensible, but you got to pick and choose along the way, depending upon what you want to believe, which is no different from anything else. Um, so he says that this can affect immune uh, bowel diseases, um, so this, he says the hygiene hypothesis isn't a hard proven theory, but it does fit with mainstream scientific knowledge about the development of our immune system and the role of exposure to a range of microbes, including viruses and parasites. And that is what keeps our immune system tuned, fine tuned. Uh, uh, you know, that, that is particularly true for uh, 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 the issue of overtreating with antibiotics. He says that he is very, very reluctant to treat with antibiotics because if you overtreat with it, we know this, if you overtreat with antibiotics, you diminish the body's ability to fight it off itself. So if you overtreat, you run the risk of giving the patient uh, colitis, he says, which is inflammation of the colon. Um, so um, that's just one example he comes to. Um, the, the practice of deep cleaning and contact restrictions uh, likely pay a trivial role in limiting COVID-19 transmission. So the guy who was over there, I think he was a doctor, by the way. I heard somebody call him a doctor. I don't know if he was an MD doctor, but he was really furtive about cleanliness in there. I mean, taking a little clean rag out of the little clean container and then squirting the juice out of the clean container juice and then cleaning the machine and then, I, I, don't, I don't know, I mean, you know, I'm sitting there watching them thinking, how, man, this is a long way from the farm, you know? So, and he even says it's strong that the evidence that masking, um, uh, reducing spread is a little bit stronger, but it also, uh, it exchanges microbes and it may be deleterious, especially the children. In other words, the effects of all these kids wearing these masks might not be the right thing to do because they're sitting there breathing in all these microbes that otherwise they would have exhaled and their system would have been learning and acquiring a defense mechanism for. Um, so he thinks his bottom line is 
we're out of balance. Um, we, we've gone to, we've gone crazy with this hygiene thing. And uh, hopefully, as Omicron, he's, he writes, recedes. Um, and uh, we, as a, as, a, as a species, build up because of this immunity systems that we have. Now, I've been told, though, by people that the uh, messenger RNA system is going to explode your immune system in about two years. And one of my viewers says, uh, um, yeah, Harmon, being raised in the country versus raised in the city, I'd much rather be raised in the country, which I fortunately was. Um, but anyway, uh, and that's another theory, by the way. Harmon Wage is my good buddy who played for the Falcons for five years and holds all kinds of records there still and played behind Spurrier here. Uh, and uh, really just was tuning in here, reminded me of something. Uh, I also have that theory about public school. I, one of my professors whom I admired the most when I was going through the University of Florida insisted that his kids be sent to public school because public school, with all of its chaos and all of its violence and all of its wasted time, is a perfect microcosm of the world you're going to face, period. So why not go to school and learn to deal with it? I like that argument. In other words, he had the, he had the ability to send his kids to private schools, he had whatever chart, and sort of pamper them and keep them safe, if you will. Keep them clean, uh, keep shoes on their feet, so to speak. But he didn't, because if he did, it would make them weaker. So he sent his kids to public school. And, um, and he said, hey, listen, hey, you learn to handle the terror, you can handle anywhere in the universe, because that's a that gum dangerous place to go, public school. And, and uh, uh, therefore, you'll know the real world. If you don't go to a public school, uh, you, don't, you won't know the real world. Um, uh, in that, in, that's kind of interesting. I, I think it's kind of interesting any way to think about it. Uh, I want to talk about the economy a minute, something that's going on here in our area. Uh, since all the Yankees are pouring down here to get away from uh, the Democrat governors, who apparently the Democrat governors have had an epiphany. The Democrats apparently have an epiphany. So now they've decided to take the masks off. And I think they're doing it because of votes. I, I don't think they know whether you should have a mask on or should have a mask off. They just do it because they're Democrats. But, but now they realize that it's kind of falling out of favor. And where it's really falling out is in some of these uh, places we're looking at pretty intensely, like the school systems and um, restaurants and things like that. So I, I'm very cynical about their motives for removing masks or declaring, OK, we can take the masks off. I think it's all about votes. Um, they don't want to be seen as somebody who is out of step. And uh, uh, but I don't know. That's just that. I'm going to tell you right now, that's just me. OK, I, I, that's just me talking. But I can tell you that the dream of home ownership, uh, I've been watching it. Uh, the price of homes around where I am in north central Florida, and I'm sure it's elsewhere true in the state of Florida, is just leapfrogging. You know, you don't have to have a brain now, so to speak, to make money in real estate. I know people who just entered as salespeople, and they're already making sales like they know what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying in the old days, you had to work to make a sale. You had to really, you know, because I was I had a real estate broker's license. You had to really, you know, what you were doing. Now they're coming to you. You don't have to go looking for them. And they're coming to you in masses. 
and they're bidding against each other and paying more than the seller is even asking. But what is this doing? It's really, you know, and this is possible because they're selling a home elsewhere uh, that costs more than the home. So they come here and they buy this home and they don't have any money out of their pocket. But how about the middle class guy who is working his way up, who has got kids, who uh, got to put them in school and it's not, he's being uh, priced out of a home. And this is being observed by Nicole Friedman, who is in the real estate world and who, who has noticed as, uh, as uh, I have, um, this is published in the journal, but uh, this is going on all around me and I've noticed it too, uh, that uh, there, there are fewer and fewer homes on the market now, I'm not talking about affordable for minorities, all right? That's, that's a lie. You know, they're not going to create affordable housing for minorities or people on the low end of the social uh, ladder. That's just not going to happen. Uh, it's not possible construction costs unless every once in a while you get somebody to give you the land and you get a bunch of guys to do the work. Uh, and you're not going to get that in great numbers. So it's just going to be token stuff. It's going to be feel-good stuff. It's going to be things that the boy named Lauren can go brag about. Uh, banana pudding can say they're doing, but it's nothing consequential. The real people being, so to speak, and you got, I've learned this from studying South American cultures, you must have a strong middle class. And home ownership and private property is the, is the key to having a strong middle class. That's what you build your schools around. That's what you build your banks around. That's what everything revolves around. When you have a society like El Salvador that has no middle class, has only the poor and the very, very wealthy, uh, you've got problems. Eventually you'll have communism because it'll be the only way the poor can fight back against the wealthy. And you'll have civil wars. And we see this all over the place. That's basically what happened. So, so here we do, here we, uh, we are, we are, putting a lot of stress on the middle class. Um, the, the, home, the, the, the households that are earning around $75,000 a year before the pandemic, um, at the end of 2019, according to this article by Friedman, uh, Nicole Friedman, uh, uh, there was one available listing for, uh, that was affordable for every 24 households in that income bracket. Uh, by December, 2021, now, that's just a couple of months ago. There was one listing in uh, the $75,000 annual uh, 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 salary or money available uh, and it, uh, uh, for every 65 households. Now, all around me, there are houses selling for uh, uh, six, um, unbelievable, you know, 600000 a million. You know, it just goes on and on and on. But for these middle class people, from $75,000 up to maybe $100,000, uh, the affordability. And we're not talking now, we're not talking about minorities. We're talking about the middle class around which stability is built in a culture. That's where, uh, and Walt Boyer is just chiming in on this and saying he's looking. When you add acreage, Walt, you've got to go way out in the hinterland, way out in the hinterland where you're not going to have any of the infrastructure amenities that you might want, but you're going to have to live without if you want that price. Um, so uh, and now we're looking at this uh, 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 
And I want you to really, really rethink what is meant by the word affordability, because it's a, it's a, it's a catch word right now. It's a political hot potato. As I say, I was the chair of the Affordable Housing Committee in the city of Alachua for about a year. I know what I'm talking about. So uh, homeownership is the traditional route for many Americans to build wealth. So if we don't have a structure where average people who work and have children and send them to school and are responsible and go to church and all this stuff and build a core uh, stability of your society are priced out of uh, home buying, uh, it's going to have long-term consequences for this culture. And already we see that people are renting and go check your rent prices. They are fast rising rent prices. And they, I'm going to tell you, that's also a ticking time bomb. It's going to make it difficult uh, for buyers to save money. So let's say they're going to save money to enter the home market, but they got to rent. The rent money that they have to put down now will keep them from building a nest egg to enter the home market. Um, Pew Research has looked at this. Uh, they've looked at the number of people for households. Household earnings, therefore, between 75000 and 100000 could afford to buy uh, about 51% of the active housing inventory in December. Um, it dropped from, uh, in a year, it dropped about 10%, almost 10% in what was available. Um, the um, number of houses for sale or under contract slid to 910,000 at the end of December. That's the lowest level since the, uh, the Realtor Association has begun tracking home inventory and they began that in 1999. Um, uh, record low mortgage rates have been the government's attempt to offset uh, the home price inflation rate. Uh, and, uh, but that's, uh, uh, now that, that's in danger because um, of the government having to go up on interest rates to fight inflation. I tell you now, we don't want to destroy the middle class. And, and it's one of the things in my old age wisdom I have learned. You can talk about all kinds of things. You can talk about race relations. You can talk about foreign policy. Yeah, but you destroy the middle class's ability to afford a home and own private property. And you have seriously impacted the stability of your society. I'm going to call it a day at that. That's about the wisest thing I'll offer you for free. And uh, I've lived long enough to have a little bit of wisdom. And I want to pass it along to my students. Thanks for listening to the Ward Scott Files. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.